So this morning, as we continue walking with Jesus, we come to a difficult place in the road. It's a place of decision and commitment. Listen to the story as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, and on their way they entered a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. But they did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then they went on to another village, and as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds have, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me, but he said, Lord, first let me go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sooner or later, it happens in the life of every walker. There comes that moment, that moment when a long, brisk walk on a beautiful, natural setting, it just can't happen, right? It's Austin and it's 104 degrees outside. Or you're on a trip in an unfamiliar urban setting. Or you're on a cruise ship. (laughs) Or it's 11 at night or 5 in the morning and you're behind on your miles for the week. That's when your love-hate relationship with this thing begins, right? Ah, the treadmill. Now, here's the truth. No one likes walking on a treadmill, right? I mean, it's ridiculous walking on a little thing that goes round and round and goes nowhere. But when you're committed to a certain number of miles a week, when you're dedicated to your walking, when your body and your soul cry out, it's time to walk, well, you get your earbuds and your water bottle and you head to the treadmill, right? One thing's for sure. The treadmill takes away almost any excuse for not getting a walk. Excuses. As we continue walking the road with Jesus this morning, Luke's gospel records a point of decision, a point of commitment, a place where Jesus' walk begins to ask more of him and more of his followers. And excuses... Well, Jesus just won't tolerate or entertain them, will he? No, here in the ninth chapter of Luke, the gospel writer tells us that Jesus sets his face to Jerusalem. Here Jesus begins that difficult road to the cross. Here he begins to share with his walking partners the urgency and the sacrifice necessary in the kingdom of God. And here Jesus invites them to take their place in God's kingdom work. It starts with that Samaritan village. The disciples go there to prepare the way for Jesus. But those Samaritans have heard. 
They've heard that Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and they're worried about the repercussions. They're worried about what the Romans might do, what the religious leaders might do. Jesus is just too much of a risk. They're afraid, and so they won't let him come and stay in their village. Well, the disciples, James and John, they're just filled with indignation. They come to Jesus. You can almost see them doing this with their hands, saying, hey, Jesus, let's rain some fire down on them. What do you say? And Jesus simply rebukes them. Jesus rebukes them, but he never stops moving forward toward Jerusalem, toward his destiny. You see, I think Jesus is rebuking them for being distracted. In this case, their lust for vengeance, it's time-consuming, it's energy-consuming, it's interfering with the walk to Jerusalem. Still, there are others who come wanting to follow Jesus, right? They want to walk that road with Jesus to the cross. Sure, says Jesus, you can walk with me as long as you can let go. Let go of the security of having a home. Let go of your family ties. Let go of your family obligations. Let go of those things that make you feel comfortable and confident. Let go of it all, Jesus says, and follow me. And then like any good preacher, Jesus sums this teaching up with a powerful metaphor and a memorable story. It's recorded in Luke 9, verse 62. He says, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back and is fit for the kingdom of God. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now that is an odd thing to say, don't you think? It's odd, yes, unless you realize that Jesus is conjuring up a very familiar and well-loved story for his listeners, the story of the great prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah lived, as you know, in Israel a few generations after the king, King David. And during Elisha's lifetime, it was the prophet Elijah. It would have been easier if their names were a little more distinct. But the prophet Elijah was the one spoke, speaking God's word and calling God's people to faithfulness. And one day, as Elisha was plowing his father's fields, the prophet Elijah came up and threw his mantle over his shoulders. Now this is prophet language for you're up next, kid. You're going to be God's prophet next. Come with me. Though he didn't say a word. Yet Elijah understands this perfectly. He gets it. And we read that he takes his oxen, he kills them, he cooks them, he feeds his village, he says goodbye to his family, then he sets off. He sets off with Elijah, and he never looks back. Jesus tells this saying, reminding those people on the road with him that day that, of that Elisha moment, reminding them that Elisha understood the moment. He understood God's call. He let go of everything. And then he put his hand on his new plow as a prophet for God's people and never looked back. This, says Jesus, this is an example of one who walks the road, I must walk. This is how you follow me. 
about five years ago, I had the privilege of visiting one of my church's mission partners in Malawi in Eastern Africa. Our partners there are transforming one of the poorest regions of that country, the region of Zakata. And that transformation begins with a farm, a farm that they have created that is a teaching farm. They're able to bring village leaders, farmers there and teach them how to maximize the yield of their land, how to rotate crops, how to uh, introduce healthier crops. And this matters in Sakata. This matters because during the hunger season, and that's what they call it, the hunger season in Zakata, the poor and vulnerable starve to death every year. Now this picture actually came from a publicity shoot for the farm. And the title under the picture is Dallas pa Pastor Being Schooled in Third World Agriculture. So I'm, I'm trying to look like I'm being schooled in third world agriculture. Um, but I did learn something very important from Dan, the manager of the farm that day, he taught me something really important about how third world farmers must learn to plow very straight rows in their fields. Straight rows actually mean more seed can be planted and they can be planted closer together. Straight rows make irrigation and weeding more efficient and the bottom line, as he taught me, straight rows give larger yields, which mean more food, less hunger, and plowing straight rows in a third world country on the edge of starvation is literally a matter of life and death. So think about it. When you put your hand to a plow, the way it's done in a third world country, and you begin to move forward, and then you look over your shoulder, well, Jesus knew, and every farmer knows, you're not going to get a straight row, right? You're going to get a crooked row, and that crooked row will not produce a large harvest, and that harvest matters. Sometimes that harvest can be the difference between life and death. Luke 9:62 put it this way, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. God's kingdom work matters. Jesus is saying the yield, the harvest of God's kingdom matters. He says it plainly, follow me, walk with me. And to do that, you must put your hand to the plow of the gospel and not look back. But here's the problem, my friends. You and I put our hand to the plow and look back all the time, don't we? I mean, who here this morning hasn't started out to be more faithful, more compassionate, more giving, only to find yourself falling back into old patterns? I won't make you raise your hand. Who here this morning hasn't lost energy or heart or hope in midstream while trying to do God's kingdom work? Truthfully, we have great excuses for not doing what we know is right. And we even have decent excuses for doing what we know is wrong. And sometimes, sometimes we see the plow, the work, 
the cause, the injustice, the relationship, the need right in front of us, just waiting for us to place our hand on it, just waiting for our love and our energy and our passion. And we don't move toward it at all. Right? And there's Jesus saying, anyone who puts their hand to the plow and looks back isn't fit for the kingdom of God. Friends, by that definition, who among us is fit? And what church, by that definition, is fit? None of us. And not one church, even the best, most exciting church. No, there's only one fit for the kingdom of God. And that one traveled the road we read about in Luke 9, that road to Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. That one is Jesus. Jesus who knew his moment had arrived. Jesus who set his face toward the cross. Jesus who put his hand to the plow of sacrifice and never, never, almost never looked back. Thanks be to God that Jesus was fit for the kingdom. And let me remind you that as Jesus walked that road so long ago, he knew, he knew his disciples, he knew the church, he knew that you and I would not always do the same. He knew we would fall short, he knew we'd make mistakes, but he invited those walking with him then, and he invites those who walk with him today to a better life all the same. He urges us to walk with him, to allow him to make us fit, little by little, make us fit for God's kingdom. And he invites us to be part of God's kingdom work, to imitate and to follow him. And friends, Jesus continues, continues after all these years to make us fit, to make the church fit for the kingdom of God. And that means that like Elisha, every now and then, we have moments, don't we? We have moments when we recognize God's activity, God's call. And every now and then, in such Elisha moments, we forget our excuses. We put our hands to the plow and we push forward into God's work for our family, or our community, or our church. And and even sometimes in such Elisha moments, we, we learn to stop looking back, to stop fearing or blaming or hurting long enough to see the beauty of what God is building in us, with us, and through us. The Apostle Paul knew this. You know, he experienced this in his own life, and he was rarely perfect in his walk with Jesus. But he knew what it meant to put his hand on the plow and to not look back. He had his Elisha moments. He explained them to the church in Philippi in Philippians 3.13 this way. He says, you know, there are times when I feel like I can forget what lies behind. I can forget it. And I can strain forward to what lies ahead. That's his way of talking about his Elisha moments. So I don't know what Elisha moments you've experienced, 
what Elisha moments you may be standing in today or what Elisha moments might come to you tomorrow. But I do know this. I know that the posture of faith is to let go of those things holding you back from God's promise and to press forward into God's future. And I really don't know what plow God may be placing before you. It's enough for me to worry about the ones God's placed in front of me. But I do know that the posture of faith is to put your hand on that plow and to trust God to see you through. I don't know exactly what the future holds for Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, but I do know that we have kingdom work to do with or without a senior pastor, my friends, and that we will be faithful, that we will put our hand to the plow and not look back, and we will do it, and we are doing it together with no excuses, no turning back. And one more thing, that plow handle, that one thing that we are called to hold on to, well, thanks be to God, we don't hold on to our own goodness. We don't hold on to our own ability, our own smarts, our own faithfulness. No, we hold on to our Savior, Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews puts it this way, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he, he who is promised, is faithful. Friends, there lies our future. There lies our strong foundation. There lies the key to walking with Jesus through anything. No turning back. Holding fast to our hope without wavering to the one who is faithful. Friends, let us put our hand to the plow. And whatever we do, let us hold on. Hallelujah. Amen.